Hello, and welcome to The Meaning Podcast, an exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host and convener of conversations, Chris Bonhoff. At Plymouth, like everywhere, groups form for all kinds of reasons, to work on projects, to learn about specific topics, to work on boards and committees, and often just for fun. But is there something that makes small groups formed in spiritual community unique? I talked about it with Plymouth's Minister for Congregational Care and Worship, Beth Hoffman Faith. And it may not surprise you to hear that her answer to that is yes, big things do happen in church context small groups. In fact, for Beth, small groups are at once an anchor to community, a gateway to authenticity, and an invitation to transformation. Here she is talking about her earliest church small group memories. My family moved when I was about seven years old, and family legend is that one morning I came into the living room one Sunday morning and said, we, we have to find a church because I have to go to Sunday school. When I look back on my whole long sort of faith journey, those Sunday school memories are really strong for me and very formative. It's where deep, lasting relationship was made. It was kind of a door opening to understanding the world in a new way. Uh, I had wonderful teachers, mentors who I remember, you know, as as a young child, and I could never have named it in that time, but certainly looking back, I have no doubt that those small group experiences, because classes were never more than a dozen or so kids, were absolutely the beginning of my understanding of how small group in a church setting can be transformative. If you've ever heard me say anything, I've probably said it's all about relationship. And in a church community, in a spiritual community, that is, that's my truth. It is all about relationship and the way we cultivate, build, help sustain, practice new ways of being in relationship with one another. How would you name how the church helps that, that ability to cultivate and maintain and grow relationship? Well, if we're going to stay with the idea of small group, I think first it's expanding our understanding of what small group is and means. So many of our members are in some kind of fellowship small group. And some of these small groups have been in existence for more than 50 years. It's really extraordinary. And I think that happens organically at Plymouth too. Uh, as people come to know one another because they're coming to worship or program or educational events, they develop a small group of other friends. And whether they meet intentionally or it just sort of happens, bubbles up after an event or other times during the week, it's those relationships that become why being a part of Plymouth is so meaningful. And that's why I have, I have said continuously to me, as the church moves forward into whatever phase of the pandemic we're in and beyond, that emphasis really needs to be less and less on large group gatherings and how many people might show up for something and rather on continuing to cultivate and create opportunities for small group connection, because that's how people find their way into Plymouth. 
That's how people feel sustained at Plymouth. That's what motivates people to go out in the world and do ministry and justice work yeah. is all about the relationships that happen here and create a culture of being invitational too. Yeah. Because we can get pretty cozy in our small groups and the thought of adding new people means there will be a dynamic change and, and some people are resistant to that, but then that could be ex experienced as being, you know, like an outsider trying to find their way in. So there's a sort of delicate kind of balance, sort of honoring the groups that are established, um, but also helping some of those groups think about widening their circle. I mean, that's really what church is about, widening the circle. Just recently, during the church season of Lent, Beth and I formed a new group to talk about the first six episodes of this podcast, which gave us a great specific example of a group to think and to talk about. Something that was kind of notable, I think, from our, our Lenten series around the podcast was just having a space where like, it's, it's expected and, uh, and accepted that you show up fully, mm -hmm. that the expectation is that you are kind of making yourself visible in a way that, that other spaces, the expectation is different in other places in the world. That resonates with me for, for kind of short-term groups and kind of the magic of, of small groups in that way is that ability to, to kind of try to live into a different kind of vulnerability. I think that that is because of two things. One is we are a covenanted community and we're beginning to talk more and more about what it means to be a covenant community, to be in covenant, which is a holy promise where you do, you, you bring yourself and you honor the other. Mm -hmm. And you know that that relationship then is blessed by God's presence, mm. the presence of the divine. I think that's very significant. It, it makes the kind of small groups that we do different from those you might do at your public library or community center or book club. But I also think that it is because we are, we are intentionally being better and better about inviting people to tell their story. And again, another one of my sayings is that everyone has a story and every story is sacred. And one of the ways we make meaning in beloved community is to share our stories because they're transformative. When we are honored by another person's story or a glimpse into their experience, we have this sort of connection, um, but we also immediately kind of move to how did the threads of our own life story interweave with that? Oh, now that connection's even stronger. Oh, their experience reminds me of, of this learning of mine. Or, and the power of telling our stories is showing up at Plymouth more and more and more. I'm so, this is so exciting to me. And really one of the things I hope we continue to bring into worship experiences, uh, small group experiences, learning experiences, forums, just, just the invitation that our stories are sacred. And when we share them, growth occurs in just amazing ways. I saw that certainly come, come to fruition in our meaning podcast series um, because you could see it not only in the animation around the way people were telling their story, but in the way their face changed 
particularly when they resonated with something they heard or something they heard sparked something in them, um, a real passion. So that, that to me is why small groups in spiritual community are different covenant and the sharing of story. Yeah, and there's kind of a relaxing into yourself that happens, I feel like, in the presence of that kind of storytelling. Mm. It's so easy to make assumptions about people in the absence of their stories. But when you hear people's stories, there's so much more in common and so much more that's, that's relatable than you might expect. And that, that opens a doorway for you to then step through to just relax into who you are and like the, the, the comfort with your own story uh, is something that I think people are really yearning for too. What I would say you're talking about is the capacity to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And that may sound like a cliche word now, authenticity, but I think, I think people still really struggle with it. And yet in that sort of relaxed, comfortable state, when we're saying something that's important to us, that is, that's authenticity. When we're finally sort of given permission, find the safe space and the comfort level to do that. And it's only when we're authentic that transformation can happen. I've started to think about approaching the New Testament almost like a small group, being in a small group with the characters in these stories. Mm. And I feel like like you all uh, do a really good job of, of preaching to, to put oneself in a range of positions within a story. Mm. I recently preached a sermon inviting people to place themselves in the story and and see what happens, you know, and shared a very personal experience of mine when I, I did that um, in an intentional way. And the, the story changed for me. My life took on a bit of transformation when I was able to do that. And, and yes, I, I think part of the timeless power of scripture is that the stories can remain relevant to our lives. And, mm-hmm. and, and when we open ourselves to the story, to the characters, to the people, to the understandings between the words, um, behind the words, then, you know, scripture becomes this living force in our life. I think there's a variety of ways to do that in Old Testament stories, but I do think in some ways the, the Newer Testament lends itself to that because we see kind of real people engaging with real people and all their flaws show up and all, all their capacities to care show up. And, you know, in the middle of this, the divine shows up in a variety of ways and, and, and things, things happen. So what happens when we, when we place ourselves there, we're preaching acts right now. And for me, if we really paid attention to the words of acts and acts chapter two is the epitome of church for me, it talks about the community coming together and bringing everything they own, all their possessions, and and selling what they need to sell so that everybody has what they need. And I just said to a group yesterday, you know, what does what does this mean for the church today? How do we live into this vision of being beloved community where everyone has exactly what they need, where it's not about the more thans and the less thans. It's about us uniting to to be equal. I mean, that to me, that story will always have meaning 
and will shift and change with whatever community I happen to be a part of. But if we're going to take it seriously, then let's live into the story and, and make it real and relevant. And in that little tiny paragraph from Acts, in addition to the sharing of possessions and making sure everybody else, what happens is that the community only knows joy. It says, you know, they, they came together, they shared meal, and joy was known, and, mm-hmm. and there was laughter. And yes, and, and those of us who have been a part of Plymouth have seen that, I mean, yeah. in real life, in a variety of ways, how when we come together, there is joy, even when the world outside is crumbling, when we know that there is so much work to do uh, to bring comfort uh, to others, there still can be joy. We can still know joy even when we are called to do hard things. Well, and it's such, a, such an inspiring and empowering picture to think about the joy that is present just at, at the beginning. And so often you kind of sink into a group and you just ride it out. And then there are dynamics that, you know, as groups start stick together, it becomes difficult. There are different points in the life cycle of a group. But that, that forming energy, like that's a, I, for me, that's an argument for just continued seeking out of new small groups to, to join and to, to explore because there's new creation, there's new, there's new energy, there's new. Well, and also, I think this pandemic, it certainly has lifted up for me and maybe for others, the understanding of place. Like, where is mm-hmm. my place? Mm-hmm. I've heard people say that about Plymouth. Like, I'm not sure where I fit here or where yeah. is my place at Plymouth? I know I've asked myself that a lot in, in terms of how the clergy team has shifted, how our staff continues to shift. I, I ask myself that a lot. What's my place at Plymouth now? Mm-hmm. And if someone is, whether they're new to Plymouth or not, if they're seeking place, mm-hmm. place means I know where I belong. I have a sense of belonging. Um, I'm welcomed and invited to be my full self here. Again, that goes back to, yes, let's bring in as many small groups as we can so people can find their place and know their place. And, and, and in that understanding, I think gifts come out because suddenly we feel like, okay, I, I, I know where I belong here. Therefore, I could try this new thing. I could do that in the world. I feel God nudging me to, to try this. If you know that you always have a place to return to, you know, a place where you're welcomed at the table and where people know your name and where people want to understand your story and people want to hear what you're doing when you're not at the table. Again, that to me is the power of beloved community and the significance of small group connection. Personally, I've at Plymouth, I've really felt the power of being seen by by beloved community mm. and the difference between feeling a gift or like having a gift that you know i think i have to bring into the world and but then having that gift be named by people who really see you i mean that's that's when things get really exciting i think right right yeah. and that's how i understand calling we toss that word out a lot in the church you know and people tend to associate it only with a clergy's path, but Mm -hmm. we we are all 
called to something. Right. We hear that voice within nudging us towards something to do or to be. But a big piece of call is not just the voice we hear and our willingness to answer. It's when that's affirmed by community. Yes. And when the community says, oh, wow, I see this in you. Yes, either encouraging whatever we speak or sometimes naming it before we can even name it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, boy, you have the gifts for leadership or I really wish you would take this on. And some of us can be very startled by that mm-hmm. realization, but then it leads us on a new path. So again, that that communal affirmation is a really important piece of all that we've been talking about. Yeah, that all loops me back to the the authenticity mm. that comes up in small groups and how gifts can't really emerge if authenticity is not comfortable or available from both perspectives, you know. The community needs to be able to see everyone in order to to benefit from people's gifts. Well, and you said something really important earlier about the assumptions we tend to make about one another when Mm -hmm. we assume things about who they are and when we begin to share our stories in an authentic way, how that breaks down so many barriers. I think that assumptions are often based in fear. We fear Mm -hmm. what we do not know. And the power of story, the power of small group, the power of beloved community is that when we show up in our authentic self and be who we are, that also dissipates the fear. Yeah. And and then true relationship can begin. Yeah, true relationship. That's a good that's a good aspirational goal for for the community, I think. Mm. <laughs> Me too. I mean, again, it's all about relationship for me. I mean, that's why I'm in ministry is because for me, and I preached a sermon on this, nothing matters more than fill in the blank. For me, nothing matters more than relationship. Do you have small groups that help you feel seen and known? What is it about those groups that helps you show up as fully and authentically you. And if you don't have that group and want one, can we help? The world needs your gifts. Email us at meaning at Thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme, to Max Burnell for additional beats, and to Coney Bordeaux for audio engineering. And thank you for including this community on your path. What did you take from today's episode? We'd love to talk about it. Again, our email is meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a production of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. Peace.